Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would. Welcome all of you watching online, live and recorded, however you're watching. We welcome you into this experience. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. And I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, <laughs> we're starting a new series today, and I didn't quite think it would start the way it's starting. Uh, it's a series on time. And uh, it's funny how decade after decade, uh, the mentality uh, of the human race changes from zero to ten you don't know anything but play, have fun. Nobody, somebody's paying the bills. You don't even know their bills. <sighs> then from 10 to 20, you're developing this idea that you know everything. <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of the idea. 16, 18, you might as well tell your kids, go ahead and leave home while they know it all. Um, and, and then 20, things get a little more. In other words, time evolves, and throughout time, uh, we change, our attitudes change, our skin changes. A lot of changes. And I don't know if you know this or not, and I'm going to liken it to Star Wars. I've never been a sci-fi fan, but I kind of fell in love with Star Wars. And watched the first one, or at least I thought it was the first one, but the reality is they started with episode four. I don't know if you know that. It was the fourth one made. And so we all get into it, and then by the time they two more, and then we find out, we get to watch number one. We go, why do we watch number one? Why do we? Why don't we start with number one? Well, I'm starting with number four today, like Star Wars. Okay, it was not my intention to start with this message, but I'm going to start with it because it's kind of one of those messages that that if you are really kind of on the on the edge of Christianity, on the edge of your faith, and and you just kind of like I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I just kind of hoped I'd go to heaven. Kind of like playing the lottery. Well, you know, on the right day, the right number pops up. But uh, I, then I got to know Jesus, and I realized it wasn't because I was good or I was going to be good, or, but, but it was because he's awesome, and, and his grace saved me if I believe in him. And, and that brought a certain amount of comfort, uh, a lot of comfort, actually, to me. But the real challenge <clears throat> is that one step uh, away uh, from comfort you can become a, a dangerous, dangerous place. It's called complacency. So when we get complacent about our faith, our Christianity, that complacency can lead to delinquency. And, and that becomes very dangerous because <clears throat> I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. And... and uh, Everything's going to be all right, and it is going to be all right, but the reality is going to heaven is the easy part, and, and I know that I'll be ridiculed for saying this, 
But the only reason I get to go to heaven is because I put my faith in Jesus and accepted his work. I don't get to go to heaven because I, I've lived this perfect life and, you know, just I don't get to do that. And, and so the idea is now that I understand that I have to continue to have a same passion as when I first got born again. How many of you know when you really get born again, the first time you get born again, it's like somebody removed a Mack truck off of your chest, off of your life. And you're so happy and people notice it and, and you're all alive and well. Then all of a sudden you be, get labeled as a radical. And, and you don't know what to do with that. You know, it's like you're a radical Christian, which means nobody wants to be around you. All you talk about is God, yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> so uh, you try to conform then from this radical faith and this radical experience of accepting Christ to becoming a normal Christian. Whatever that looks like. I, the word normal is overrated because nobody's normal. There, there is no standard of normality in, in this world. You look and say, well, they're normal people. Well, I, what's normal? Who gets to determine what's normal? It, it changes from culture to culture and generation to generation. And I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, back when I was younger, because I still consider myself young. It's all relative. If you, I compare myself to Methuselah. I'm just a child related to him. But we judged people uh, by appearance. I, I remember when I grew my hair out and when, <laughs> back when I had some. Um, I remember you, guys didn't wear long hair back then. We drove up to school in our pickups and we had shotgun racks in the trucks. Nobody thought anything about it. Everything's changed and things have changed and now... What we see in the world today is you can see a person with like, you know, half their hair being pink and half being purple. And they got enough piercings that if they drink too much water, they leak. <laughs> and, and so we often look and say, well, it's impossible that they're born again. You know, I mean, look at them. And, and we, we start measuring people by the outside. And the Bible tells us very clearly that God doesn't look at that. God looks at the heart. And, and so... What I'm trying to do right now is to help us as I go through this message, because it's going be to be a teaching message. I love inspiring people, motivating people, but today I go into theological professor mode. And so under my degree plan, there was a, a course I had to take, and it was called eschatology. And uh, it, it was the study of end times. And, uh, and I, I kind of dreaded it, kind of looked forward to it, because I was kind of freaked out by it. Uh, when you start talking about what does the end times look like, what does it look like, where are we living today, and somebody go, why are we doing this? Well, if you haven't watched the news, <laughs> there are several things going on in other parts of the world that are pretty extreme. Russia invades Ukraine. Uh, now, all of a sudden, we've got Hamas, and, 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 and I'm going to probably make some of you mad, and that's really okay. But, but the reality is we've got, we've got Hezbollah, Hamas, we've got Israel, and, and then you've got propaganda coming from the secular media. We've got congressional people that are stupid. Um, I got my boots on today, so we're ready to go. Okay, so, so we, we've got one elected official that's bashing Israel, and my flesh wants to kind of... Anyway, so, you know, because let me just say this, and if you in any way 
Don't stand with Israel. You're going to hate me in this message today because I stand with Israel unapologetically. And if you think for one minute what you're hearing on secular media is true, it's a lie. This is all about an evil group of people wanting to destroy the people of God. And so if you have any sympathy for these people, I'm sorry for you because maybe at the end of this you'll listen to me and you'll go, I think I've been lied to and you have by the media. A friend of mine is deep into Israel. He's keeping me updated on what's really going on and the lies about Israel bombing a hospital in the Gaza Strip is a lie. That was the Palestinians. That was Hamas. They, they misfired. It blew up a bunch of people. In addition to them blowing up a lot of people in Israel, I'm prefacing this the best I can. It's, trust me, you're going to walk out of here provoked. I didn't want to do this. I've not wanted to do this. I fought to not do this, but I'm real happy I'm doing it. And um, so the question is, where are we in history? Well, in 1948, Israel became a nation. And that changed everything in, in the worldview because there were two, Israel had 12 tribes. You, you may have heard this. They had 12 tribes. And back in the day, after David and Solomon, uh, th there was the separation between Benjamin and Judah. They took the southern part of Israel. And then they, 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 so they called Judah and Israel all Jewish people. But the ten tribes, ten other tribes, took the northern part of Israel. And they were separated for a season. In 1948, they became one nation. Jerusalem became the capital. So here we are now with this, this people of God gathered. 43% of all Jewish people live in Israel. That means if you were going to attack a people that you hated... The simplest place to almost wipe out half of them would be to blow up Israel. You've got to understand why this is happening. And so the rest of the Jewish people are dispersed throughout the world. That means there could be a small 5% here, 10% there. But 43% of all Jews right now occupy Israel. You want to know why they're being attacked? That's where they are. And so now the question, what does this have to do with us? Well... If you go back and you go back to uh, Ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39, it talks about armies from the north invading Israel. We know Russia is from the north. And that you think the Ukraine is the stopping point, but Ukraine is not the stopping point for Russia. Russia wants to move south. And, and so now we have uh, the, the armistice treaty agreement signed in 1949 to stop the Arab and Israel conflict United Nations got involved, and all these nations signed this treaty that there would be no assault on Israel, okay? The two that didn't sign it was Iraq and Saudi Arabia. They did not sign the agreement that they would provide or make sure there was peace in that Arab nation or near that Arab nation. So they signed this treaty, and here we are today going, what happened? Well, if you look, Israel actually occupied Palestine and Samaria back in that time. And Judah was in the south. Israel was up. They, they occupied Palestine. So you wonder why, wonder why Palestinians hate Israel. And you wonder why in the New Testament that the, we have the story of the Good Samaritan. Because Jesus was addressing the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritan people. Jesus does not like hate. Can I say that? God is love. And so the, the hate that was going on, Jesus addressed it. And you want to know why Israel and the Jews got so angry with Jesus. Because he propped up the Good Samaritan. 
when all the priests and the Levites passed by the man who was on the road and they ignored him and went the other way, the good Samaritan picked him up. Jesus was trying to build a bridge. And so here we are today saying, well, how does this end? Because the reality is this is Bible prophecy unfolding before our very eyes. Where are we in time? I don't know. And the Bible says even the angels of heaven don't know the time. But here's what I do know. We must never become complacent or we will become delinquent. We will abdicate our responsibility to be the people of God. And I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. America has become a complacent nation. Sunday is just another day of the week. We don't honor God anymore, but we want God to honor us. Listen, you reap what you sow. If you want God to honor you, honor God. And yet today, I've been doing this for a long time. And I drive to church on Sunday mornings, and on the way here, it's like every demon from hell is sitting on my hood. And I get angry with every mile, watching joggers out, taking care of their little bodies. All fit. And I like fitness. I work out. I love that. But let me say this. Oh. I want to use words that would send you soaring. I want to go, what the are you doing? Are you jogging for Jesus this morning? Is that what this is all about? If so, wear a t-shirt that lets this pastor know, I'm jogging for Jesus. Because I want to say, get your booty out of your booty shorts and get to church. Sunday is not just another day of the week. It's set aside to honor God. Well, I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. Aren't you brilliant? It's probably the only line you know. But you're going to go through hell to get there if you don't have a house of worship. I can't wait till next Sunday to see what shows up. Because today I'm going from pastoring, preaching to meddling. You see, the reality is we don't talk about how the time now is going to help us for the end time. We, we don't understand. When I was a youth pastor, I, 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 was, I was just a radical youth guy, loved teenagers. And um, so we had about 1,000 kids in the youth group. And I used to ask them, I said, now, and one time I almost did this. I almost had a guy come in with a gun. I know that I can't even say gun anymore. Dear Jesus, he said, gun from the platform. This is Oklahoma, pilgrim. We can open carry. And I would ask him, I said, now, if somebody walks through the back door with a gun, of course, teenagers would be like, bring it on, bring it on. Actually, I had kids in the youth group that got saved and laid a 357 Magnum down at my feet, so I knew somebody had a gun. And, and I said, if they came in and said, all you that profess faith in Jesus Christ, you're a believer, we're going to shoot you, or we're going to take you to jail, and we're going to shoot you. I like it. 
And so I said, if they took you to jail and you were going to go before a judge and jury and they're accusing you of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough to convict you? Do you have enough evidence that you are sold out to God and willing to lay your life down if somebody challenged you? And yet you... I've always wanted on a Sunday, just one Sunday, just one Sunday, when people pull up at the church, just have notes on the door that says, we've been raptured, sorry, you missed it. Surprise! Just always kind of wanted to, because it's like, well, I haven't been in six months. Oh, God, he came back! We could have service out on the yard, baby. Out on the drive, we could have service. Just, and then just pull a big truck up and say, thought you'd missed it, didn't you? So the question is, where, where are we in time? Where are we? I don't know, when I was a kid, I hear words like tribulation. And, and now we, we don't hear the word tribulation anymore. We quit preaching on it. I, I like every now and then. I, I don't like fearful messages, and I'm not a scary. I love life. I love to laugh. But every now and then, you know, I have, to, I have to ask myself the question, where am I? Who am I? Why am I? What's my position in all this? Because what if? You see, the tribulation, the question is, will we go through the tribulation? This is one of the big questions that was asked me in my theology degree and then afterwards a master's degree and try to learn all this. And I, the more I learned, the less I knew. Because one thing leads to another, it leads to another, it leads to another. I had to stop studying. I, I, I needed a backhoe I was digging so deep in this. And I realized the tribulation, think about this. In, in the book of Daniel, it talked about 70 weeks and that the first part of the tribulation would not even look like the tribulation. And so people are into it, which means there's a complacency that we're not even aware of what's going on in the world around us. Therefore, we become delinquent in our service and our worship of God. There's no urgency. There's no sense of what if. And we need to have a sense of what if this is it. What does that look like for me? You see, if you're really saved, it really doesn't matter. What you're really saying is, are you trying to scare a Christian with heaven? Really? I mean, the question is, can people up above, are they watching you? I hope not, because you have to shower. It's like, you think, you think, we want them to talk to us and hear us, but until we take a shower. Let me just tell you, the only reason I know people that are in heaven right now are not aware of us is because if they were, they'd be crying. And the Bible said there would be no sorrow, no crying in heaven. They would miss you. Well, some of you. And so, so the, the, here's the deal. That heaven's bliss. Heaven's wonderful. Heaven's incredible. And, and I'm not trying to get a load up today. That's not the, the plan here. But what I'm saying is we should not be afraid of anything. The Bible says he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. So when I can talk about heaven or end times right now, the only, the only sorrow I have is, is many, many innocent people are being killed because of a bunch of stupid people. Hatred. We don't. Hey, listen, let me just tell you. We're dealing with an issue that may be real or seem real, but this is not a race problem we're having in our world today. It's a hate problem we're having in our world. And just because somebody looks different than us is not a reason to hate. That's what's going on right now in Israel. Hatred. Jewish people 
beautiful olive skin. Oh, God, that we could all look like that. If you've never been to Israel and seen some of the, I mean, it's like, oh, my God. And Jesus was Jewish. Imagine, he was a good-looking dude. Most of the pictures make Jesus look homely. I wish somebody, I was like, like a, I want a rocky kind of Jesus. No, we make Jesus like he's a wimp. I'm telling Jesus was a stud. was not at 9 30 i don't know where this is coming from (laughs) so the question is uh, will we go through the tribulation because that seems to be the number one concern so the the, the, my answer to that has always been look he said we we will not go through more than we can stand we'll not be tempted beyond what we can stand so i'm of the opinion that i'm out of here and so theologians and, and let me say this the word rapture is nowhere in the bible we use the word rapture anybody uses it any theological person that uses it's wrong the only place in the Bible that talks about anything similar to the rapture is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And it says this, that those who are, are alive will be caught up with him in the air. So what that means is this, that Jesus is coming down, and this is really cool. And, and I, all of you animal lovers, he's coming on a horse, so we know there are animals in heaven. Peace unto you, my brothers and sisters. All right. You Peter people. All right. So now... <laughs> So we'll be caught up with him, and, and some theologians believe that we will go up, meet him in the air, and then we'll come back down and reign with him. That's a possibility, but nobody knows for sure. It's all speculation, and it doesn't really matter. It's just really great conversation because we're going to be with him. So what does it really matter? We're with Daddy. Mess with me, and Daddy's going to take care of you. So all of a sudden, we're reunited with our Creator, our Father, the other theological perspective is that we'll be caught up with him and it will be a hook, like a fish hook, only we'll go up with him into heaven. And then the millennial reign will happen at another time. You have postmillennial, you have amillennial, and you have premillennial. I created another one called panmillennial. I believe everything's going to pan out. <laughs> so whatever the thousand years, whenever that is, it's all going to pan out. I'm a panmillennialist. And so, but the concern with most people is when you talk about end times, people really get uptight because they're thinking, I'm scared. Is this really it? It could be. And if that scares you, let me scare you a little bit more. So the question is, back in the day, in the book of Revelation, it says that everyone is going to be forced to make a choice between Christ and the devil. And there would be a thing called the mark of the beast. Well, my mother was a saint. Now, she, did, she had a high school education, but she loved Jesus more than I could ever hope to love Jesus. She was just a wonderful woman, but she'd always tell me at my earliest age, my mother was so in tune to, to serving Jesus. I mean, it was amazing, but she'd look at me and she'd say, Son, when you get older, do not take the mark of the beast. Can you imagine like a 10-year-old going, okay. Sure, Mom. What does that have to do with anything? Well, they're going to put 666 on your forehead or your hand. And I thought, really? How's that going to work? They're just going to paint it on there. I thought it's indelible. You know, you can't get it off like tattoo. You know. But here's what you don't, maybe haven't read. But here's what's happened. We've never been poised uh, to, to see the end times like we are right now. There's a corporation somewhere up north. I don't know if it's Michigan, Minnesota, somewhere. You can Google it. I could be way off. If I am, I'm leaving myself a lot of room for a mistake here. Okay. But I do know this to be true, wherever it is, that there is a company, because so many companies have been, 
there have been shootings and stuff, so they're trying to figure out how to stop it. Well, a lot of big companies, as many of you may know, you have a lanyard, you have a tag, you have a card or something that in order to get through the gate or get to work, you have to scan the card or show your lanyard and your, and your, your uh, name thing, whatever that is. Well, now they've decided they were going to chip their employees. Now, some of your dogs are chipped, and we think that's cool because you can follow them, GPS, and, and all of that. But here's the reality. They've chipped their employees. What that means is now the employee no longer has to remember a lanyard, has to name a, na- a name tag or anything like that. They walk through, and they scan it. Now, listen to this. There's not going to be a tattoo on your forehead with 666. There'll be a chip in your body that will allow you to buy groceries or not buy groceries. So this is what this is. Listen to me. If you want to control a nation or a country or a people, control the food supply. That's where it's all at. Guess who owns more property than any farm property anybody in America? Bill Gates. Why do you think they're buying up all this property? They're going to control the food supply. Now, please listen to me. I know this is scaring some of you. This is not what you came to church for. I'll try to do better in the weeks to come. But today, we're dancing. And I'm going to step all over your shoes because I don't dance that well. So please get this. So here's what happens. It all seems really good. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. And my kids hate this. I'm a conspiracy theorist to some degree. But let me just tell you. In the history of our nation, there's only been one vaccine that was never lab tested, and it was the COVID vaccine. Yeah, you you don't know what to do now. Do I clap? Listen to me. Mandate is not a law. And we succumb to a mandate, not a law, that was unenforceable because you can't enforce a mandate. Listen to me. I want you to get this because if this ever happens again, this church will not shut down. This pastor will not shut up. So if you think this is rebellious right now, you can go ahead and make a choice long ahead of time because I ain't giving up again. You can shoot me. You can kill me. But you will have to do that to shut me up. We have a nation that has bowed its knee to a government, and the answers to our problem are not in Washington, D.C. They're in the house of God. They're in the worship of God. The answer is in the presence of God. Don't depend on politicians, Republicans, Democrats, independents. Don't get mad at me. I am tired of being quiet. Political correctness is what's killed our country. It's killing our churches. It's killing everything. I am not doing this anymore. We have depended on, there is no party here that's going to save us. There's not a party that's going to save us. Only Jesus can do that. We're relying on government officials to do something they cannot do. I ain't mad at any of them, and I'm not for any of them. I'm just me. I've got the credentials to run for president. I've made enough mistakes to get there. It's what's required now. So the, the, the tribulation will happen. Then the reign 
of, of, of Christ, a thousand years, the devil's thrown into the abyss. One millennial position is that there will be some people who have been given their new body and others who are mortal and immortal will dwell together. The mortals who still have the power to reproduce, regenerate, the Bible word is, will regenerate, reproduce. Many will come to Christ during that time. And, and, and by the way, let me say this. The Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the heart of God is full of patience and desire for everyone to know him. And so this is not a thing about hating Palestinians or Hamas or Hezbollah. That's not what this is about. Because we need to be praying for them as well as praying for Israel that this nonsense stops. But the reality is all Bible prophecy points to this happening just like Judas was ordered to betray Christ in order that he would go to the cross. We don't understand everything, and the reality is we're called to hate no one. And we know that Judas took his own life because he regretted betraying Christ. But had Judas not fulfilled that role, there would have been no Savior, and we would all be going to hell. So for years, I heard church hating on Judas. I mean, I nicknamed my car Judas because it doesn't start all the time. I feel betrayed sometimes. But it's making me a better person. In other words, I'm learning to say, oh, it's okay, Jesus, nothing's that important. See, sometimes the difficulties in life make us better in life. They put tension on us. See, there's no tension in the church in America anymore because we're all just going to heaven and we're going, la, 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 la. We've lost our tension. You know, a bow is no good unless it has tension. The arrow's not going very far. And so when, when we get so comfortable that we get complacent, we lose our tension in our commitment to serve Jesus, and we don't become the arrows sent out into the world that he wants to send into the world. So, okay. Sorry, this is not easy, man. I've got a semester crammed into 40 minutes. All right. In Zechariah chapter 12, listen to this very carefully. You need to be on the side of Israel. Number one, listen to me. It is critical. If anybody comes to you and they start throwing stones at Israel, you need to just walk away or say, look, you're not fully informed here. This is a big deal. And anybody in America that starts trying to listen to CNN, CNBC, and all these other networks that are applauding and, and telling Israel you need to stand down, they've missed up. If somebody broke into your home, are you going to sit there and go, it's okay, take everything? No, it's a nine millimeter. Oh, you shouldn't do that. Just pray for him while he does all this dirty stuff. Mm -mm. In California, maybe. Okay. Stay with me now, okay? I don't need any more people leaving because it gets a little insecure up here, okay? Just be secure and tolerate me for a few more minutes. All right. Okay. This message concerning the fate of Israel came from the Lord. This message is from the Lord who stretched out the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth, and formed the human spirit. I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. 
On that day, says the Lord, I will cause every horse to panic and every rider to lose his nerve. I will watch over the people of Judah, but I will blind all the horses of their enemies. And the clans of Judah will say to themselves, The people of Jerusalem have found strength in the Lord of heaven's armies, their God. On that day, I will make the clans of Judah like a flame that sets a woodpile ablaze or like a burning torch among sheaves of the grain. They will burn up all the neighboring nations right and left while the people living in Jerusalem remain secure. The Lord will give victory to the rest of Judah first before Jerusalem so that the people of Jerusalem and the royal line of David will not have greater honor than the rest of Judah. Why? Because they're one people. On that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. And the royal descendants will be like God, like the angel of the Lord who goes before them. For on that day, I will begin to destroy all nations that come against Jerusalem. This is Bible prophecy. We know how this turns out. And let me just tell you, Hamas ain't going to be Hamas. Capiche? Welcome to Mosaic Church. We fight for each other, with each other, but not against each other. All right, so Matthew chapter 24, New Testament. We shift gears, and then I'm going to give you a few things, and we're going to be out of here, but you don't want to be out of here too quick because this is really good stuff. And if you want part two, you'll need to be here next week because we're going to do it again. All right, now. Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Why are we not alarmed? I can't lose. You cannot scare a Christian with heaven. It's like if I were to die today... I, I wouldn't even want to see y'all again until like sometime later. <laughs> I love you, but I'm going to heaven. I'm not trying to get there today, but hey, if he wants to, guess what? I'm going to go out and charge a bunch of stuff up. <laughs> It'd be great. I'd go buy a Lamborghini and not have to pay insurance. All right, so. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Whoopee. Listen, this is like stuff. Is this, doesn't it sound a little bit like, like 2023? 20, doesn't it sound just a little bit? Now, some of y'all are scared right now. At the end of the service, we're going to pray and you're going to be saved. Because the only way you, have, you should be scared is if you're not saved. Because trust me, you ought to be scared. But if you're saved, it's like surfing and never having to go under. Just riding a wave. It's going to be so awesome getting to heaven. There'll be no more shopping, no more. I mean, there's some of y'all going, oh, that's just a real bummer. <laughs> well, if you go to hell, everything's going to smell like smoke. So you, well, who cares? All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Come on, Jesus. 
And then you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear to see many people because of the increase of witness of love. We, we, Elmer Fudd revived. All right, so. The love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm in the, to the end will be saved. And the gospel, listen to this, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, here's the way I've always measured this. When I was in that class in eschatology, I'm thinking, okay, we all know. We say, I know what you're going to say. Well, we've had the Vietnam War, the Korean War. We go all these wars. They've all been around. Wars have been going on forever. But here's the key. And this gospel of the nation shall be preached to all, all the world, all of it. This gospel, every nation. Then the end will come. So what Jesus is saying, everybody's going to have an opportunity to know him. He wants everybody to have an opportunity to know him and to be saved. That's the goal. And, and what's really wonderful is now we, we had a lot of big Christian networks at one time. They're still big and they're still good. But now we have the Internet. This is going, we, we, we get reports. This is played in Africa. This is played all over the world. A lot of other preachers played all over the world, everywhere. And the gospel is going out to all nations. I mean, I, I, when I lived in Africa, you, they'd be on the phone. They had phones and they, they, could, they, 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 they would be able to watch, on, even in parts of the world, industrial nations and, and all these nations, third world countries can now. Everybody has a phone, man. You may not have food, but you got a phone, baby. You can call your neighbor and say, I'm starving to death. What about you? Yeah, me too. That's good. At least we can talk ourselves through this. We don't have any rice, but we got a cell phone. We will not die alone, baby. Let's talk until we die. I'm going to give you four factors that let you know that I'm not blowing smoke. And some of you wish I was. The Persian Gulf conflict was not the apocalyptic event many predicted, but it did start lots of people thinking about the fact that events do appear to be moving, moving steadily in the direction of end times. Putting aside calculations and calendars to examine recent world events, trends, and conditions, there are four global megatrends that coincide with biblical prophecy. Please don't miss these. If you missed everything else I said, don't miss these, because these really are... You're seeing them unfold. Number one, the move toward a global economy visible when changing conditions in Germany or Japan affect Wall Street within hours, and they do. But let me take it a step further now, and I can't support this, but I can speculate. The whole idea behind Bitcoin is that we no longer have the pound, the euro, the rand, the zim, whatever economy or currency an economy has, we now have a thing called Bitcoin that every nation in the world would use. I knew it would get quiet when I said this. Why do you think there is such a struggle right now? And if there's Bitcoin, the government doesn't want it because they can no longer monitor what you spend or what comes in. But then the idea is that we all are using the same currency. So wherever I go, I don't have to exchange money anymore anywhere in the world. I don't, and you still don't because you have credit cards now, which help with that. But the reality is Bitcoin will play into that, I believe. Okay, so you can argue if you want, but I don't argue. I make a statement, and if I don't like what you're going to say, I'm oh, okay. See ya. Bye. Second mega trend is the rise of a united Europe, which is the European nation 
uh, the, the, the one world, they're, they're in, you've got the Brex thing and all that stuff going on. With the disintegration of the Soviet Union and the demise of the Warsaw Pact, European unity is finally possible. It's been going on. And so the, the uh, European e economic boundaries have been dissolved and a new military alliance is forming. This is why Russia was so irritated that Ukraine was trying to become a part of the European Union. And, and because of that issue, that now all of a sudden they would be unified instead of standing alone and easy and susceptible to attack. Please understand this. So Russia will not be done. If they do defeat U Ukraine, they're not done. They're going to keep moving south. Trust me, this is just the beginning. That's why we're up against what we're up against right now. Okay, so third thing, isolation of Israel. Surrounding nations are becoming increasingly hostile with even the United States acting judgmental and less friendly. Let me just tell you guys something. I know that Joe Biden can't finish a speech, but the one thing he did finish well was we support Israel. Get mad at me if you want, but there's something behind the scenes here. This is the Wizard of Oz. There's somebody behind the curtain. Listen to me. But thank God he spoke up for Israel. Now we need to pray that he continues to stand up for Israel because our nation will collapse if we don't. Look, here's the reality. Some of you are married to your opinions. Don't marry your opinions. They make horrible spouses. Because your opinions will change once you get more information and you have more knowledge. Right now, what an opinion is, is I don't really know, but this is the position I'm going to take. I try to stay away from opinions because they're like noses. Everybody's got one, so big deal. What we have to realize is this is all pretty close to what we know the Bible is stating because we have people in America right now, like I said, we have elected officials that have stood up for Hamas and Hezbollah, and they need to be de-elected. And I know this is not popular, don't care, been popular at one time, don't care to be anymore. All right, so, number four, last is the collapse of Marxism, which we think doesn't exist. But listen to this. With the People's Republic of China and North Korea being the last holdouts, China has recently, some years ago now, it's been a while, long time, China and Korea being the last holdout, China has recently taken a step toward a market economy by establishing a Chinese stock exchange, which has been going on for a long time. Why do you think China has been at the forefront of everything, conversation, the last three years, four years, five years, whatever? They're a player in all of this situation. So here's what I'm saying. Complacency gives way to delinquency. As a pastor, I have a responsibility that I have not upheld thoroughly. Today, I am trying to uphold my position of pastor. I am responsible to tell the truth even if it lands on you wrong. I am responsible to call what is what is. And some of you are married to an elected official and you shouldn't be. Some of you are married to a, a political party and you shouldn't be. We should all stand up and say we don't care what side of the aisle. Both sides of the aisle need a mop and a mop bucket. It's a mess and we have been quiet, and the only thing evil needs to prosper is for good people to be silent. I refuse to be silent. 
I refuse to stand back anymore and applaud what is not applaudable. We are in an issue, and the issue right now is that the people in America have become complacent and delinquent. And I am speaking to those who are laying out a church. I'm speaking to people who think they can do whatever they want. Well, you offended me. God bless you. The next pastor will offend you too if he's any good. So tired of, you know, when Bill Clinton was elected, and, and quite frankly, I like Bill a lot. It was Hillary I had a hard time with. We won't put this on Facebook. <laughs> but, but, but the issue was here. Some of you won't, you're not old enough to remember you're nothing but a twinkle and a thought. But when he played the saxophone on Arsenio Hall, he was a shoe-in to get elected. We went from electing officials to electing by popularity. And I'm not mad at Bill at all. Matter of fact, I had a dream one night because I didn't like him. And God said, what if he came to your house? Could you lead him to me? And I went, no. And he said, well, then you need to prepare your heart to be able to. So he became one of my friends. He was a great communicator. I'm just trying to be positive right now. And some of y'all, no, listen, listen to me. Everything I said today is probably not 100% right. I'm going to leave some room there because I did the best I could to study this, and it was really hard. But what I am saying to you is I do believe this. I believe that, that we have, we have uh, fumbled grace. I believe we have fumbled uh, mercy. I believe we fumbled them. And, and rather than standing up and say, God, I, I want your grace, but I don't want it on my terms. I want it on your terms. And if I don't get myself in church, if I don't get myself in walking in a relationship with you, then I'm susceptible to what the world system is bringing. Doesn't mean you don't go to heaven. Please don't hear me say, I believe very, I'm, I'm big on grace. When somebody calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says they're saved. This is not that argument. But I'm watching people, and please, I'm going to go Tony Robbins on you for one minute. And you got to forgive me because I'm using this word in the right way. But Christians are getting the hell beat out of them because we have surrendered our passion, our conviction, our faith, our purpose. We have surrendered to apathy and lethargy, and we have been delinquent in our service to Jesus Christ. Unless we are prepared to die for him, we will suffer. Christianity is, is not just something we do. It is, it is a conviction that we possess in our hearts. That nothing's going to come before God. When I was a kid, and, and again, I hate saying this because it sounds like I'm old and I'm really not. I just, I just got platinum hair because I think it's the cool thing and God did too and he gave it to me. But when I was a kid, you couldn't, there was a blue law. You couldn't be open as a business on Sunday. You, you couldn't. Because they, they, they so honored, our nation literally honored God. Even, they were scared. If you don't, I mean, the churches were the place on Sunday. 
I mean, that's, that's what, and then you had to go home and cook chicken. My grandmother had a hen house. I mean, they were so poor, they couldn't pay attention. And I mean, we'd go to her house for lunch afterwards, and she was an old, had 10 kids, this woman. You did not want to fight her. We'd go over there. I hated it, man. It was in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. She'd go out. We'd go over there. I hated going over there. It was, it was so bad. I mean, my grandmother's a wonderful person, but she'd go out to the hen house. She'd grab a chicken, and I'd watch her wring her neck. It was violence right in front of a 10-year-old. Pow! Then she would pluck it. Some of y'all didn't even know that's how it worked. You thought you went to Target and the chickens were just born that way. <laughs> By the way, that's the only place I fish. Not Target anymore, but what can I do here? Where can I go? Sprouts. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I, I tell you guys, this was off-road. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you got something from it. And the reason I'm so excited is someday when this all winds down, guess what? Right now, there are construction crews in heaven building your house. I got bad news for some of you. Some of yours are ready to move into. Anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, a couple of guys, professional baseball players, one time asked a question. They both looked at each other and said, if you die before me, would you come and let me know if there's baseball in heaven? They agreed to that. Sure enough, one of them died. Went to heaven. Came back and told the other guy. He said, you know what? I got good news for you. And I got bad news. There is baseball in heaven, and you're pitching next Thursday. <laughs> Trying to bring it up on a good note here at the end. We need to pray. Let's do that now. Lord, thank you for being an awesome God. We just love you so much, and we're so grateful that you have got us covered, not just back front, side, you got us surrounded, God. And so, Lord, we do pray for Israel today. We pray for the nations coming against them, that they would be awakened, that, Lord, there would be a sign to them that Israel is your chosen people. We are grafted into that vine of chosen people. And, Lord, we stand with Israel, and we ask you, Lord, to put an end to all of this as only you can. Politicians can't, kings can't, princes can't, but the king of kings can. And so, Lord, we turn to you. And we ask you to help them. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray a prayer. And those of you that are not saved, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to know when you call on the name of the Lord, you have nothing to worry about. It's not about what you did last night, last year. It's not what you've done with your whole life. It's not about the mistakes you've made. Jesus died for the sins, every sin that you and I have committed and every sin that we'll ever commit. We just have to turn to him. So I want all of you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I will be sold out to you. Thank you, Jesus. 
Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Please do that for your sake. We'll be praying for you. If you text that, we get that. We'll be praying for you. Please fill out the entire information once you do that, and then we will give your name to our prayer team, and they will be praying for you, all right? Uh, at this time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. And, and please, please listen very carefully. My goal as a pastor, more than ever, is to be a, a voice of information for you. Uh, I used to think that it was probably more than that, but now I realize that every Sunday that I get to preach, I, I'm just disseminating information. I'm putting tools in your toolbox, and I'm trying to help you know how to use those tools. And uh, so a part of that is this, that when we talk about giving to the church, God won't love you more because you do. He won't love you less. God just loves you because God is love. But what this is about is you. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. You see, once it becomes less about us and more about what we can do to help other people, it becomes life-giving. So God wants to bless you, but not just so you can walk around and, and, and show everybody how blessed you are, but so you can help them be blessed. And so when you give, the Bible says he'll give back to you good measure, press down, shaking together and running over. In other words, you can't outgive God. So if it's, and so I want that for you. I want that for you. I want it for all of us. I, w I want the, the church to be the most blessed people group in the world because we obey him. So very simple ways to give here. You can put your smartphone on the QR code behind me. It will lead you to a place where you can sign up. You can give 24-7 anytime you want. Uh, it'll walk you through on a debit, credit card. You can do that. Or you can text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226. Uh, 405-546-2226. It'll set you. You can set it up on a debit card or, or, or credit card there. Uh, also, you can give at our church site, mosaicokc.church forward slash give. Or you can mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, 73132. Or you can give on your way out. Anyway, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage. As they're coming, if you need prayer for anything at all, Please visit one of them. If you want to receive communion, you can do that. They'll serve you or you can serve yourself. Uh, very important part of this, which is why we save the best for last, that you get to have that time to have someone pray for you. And if you've had trouble with me, please go ask them to pray for you. <laughs> and, and, and tell them that we need to pray for pastor, whatever. But I, I love you, and I take this job more seriously than I've ever taken it. I, my obligation to you is I'm committed to tell the truth even if everybody leaves. And I will never back off from that. And I'm not going to be always that polite about things that are evil because I don't believe Jesus was. And so, I mean, Jesus, Jesus confronted evil because he loved the people that were evil. Please understand that. And, and when he said he, he called the Pharisees out, which was a religious group of people, and he said, you whitewashed sepulchers, you brood of vipers, Wow, Jesus, come on, man. you got to get more PC than that. Jesus said, no, because I love too much to go along with a lie. I love you too much to go along with a lie. And so I hope that I communicate with that kind of heart. I'm not angry. I'm not. I love you. I love what God is doing. But I know that we have a complacent world that has to be challenged, and I'm going to challenge you, okay? So that's just the way it is. If you want to get my call, midweek call on Wednesdays, text the word call to 405 500 
These all categories, the reason these numbers are the same is the word is what directs it to the right location. So if you want my call, which is a minute, 45, two minutes, all it is, it's just a midweek uh, bump for the hump, all right, just to get you over that place. And then uh, if you want to serve, you can text the word serve to the same number, 405-500-1310, all right? Well, let's stand to our feet. We're going to go out with a shout. If you want to serve, text the number, same number, serve, 405-500-1310. We just want to get you connected, okay? This Friday night is the gathering. It's, we'll, we'll have a fun time. We eat together. It's right here in the lobby from about 6 to 7.30 because anytime after that I get bored. I become an introvert, all right? Okay, so we're going to go out with a shout. One, two, three, hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.